the key to battling the uncontrollable part of inflation that exists out in the world today is by embracing your own personal lifestyle deflation. So what's this podcast all about, this financial sobriety thing we're doing? It certainly isn't a traditional conversation about money. There's lots of great people in our industry that talk the traditional game. This is going to be a very unconventional conversation about those three unbelievably complicated relationships that when you put them all together, you don't necessarily think of them this way, but the relationship that you have with money, the relationship you have with your people that mean the most to you, and then the relationship that you have with the person in the mirror. You mean those three relationships go together? They do, and it's a very complex interrelationship between them. And when those get a little bit out of whack, interesting things happen. Do you know anything about that? We should probably introduce ourselves. Who oh, are you? good idea. Jim Gephardt. And I'm Matthew Grishman. I'm your author of the book, Financial Sobriety, and we are going to have some great conversations, so stick around. What are you grateful for today, brother? I am grateful for health insurance. Ooh, do tell more. We have had several incidents, one with our daughter, Grace, while we were flying back from Syracuse the morning of. Actually, she hadn't been feeling well for about a day and a half. So Dr. Google informs me that she's having an appendicitis. Oh, have to go to the emergency room. We're flying today. Flying so easy now. It's so customer friendly. Right. So there we had that little incident. Emily's at urgent care right now with, again, my medical training might stumble me on this one with uh, positive streptococcus. Oh, interesting. That's better than, is that good, better or worse than negative streptococcus? Well, you don't want strep, Ah, right? She's been licking too many doorknobs or however you get strep these days, which I, I always associate strep throat with preschool. Not college. Not college. <laughs> and then uh, at now that I have the privilege of being over 50, I've had my very first colonoscopy. Oh, mazel tov. Yeah, thank you very much. You're feeling a little lighter today? Don't I look thinner? Yeah, you do. I squeezed less of you this morning. So my gratitude is that we are fortunate to be able to have quality healthcare coverage that can address all of those incidents and keep our family healthy. Fabulous. I'm glad you and your family are healthy. Right. It's a plug for Covered California, Blue Shield, Aetna, whatever you want to today. Uh, all the different brands. Yeah. yeah Put them all them in a blender. All. Exactly. Yeah. Touch all the bases, as you would say. And how about you, Stanley? What's on the gratitude list? Well, you know, the gratitude list is always long and Plentiful. I, yeah. And and I could talk to a wrong number for three days about my gratitude. But since we're in studio, I'm going to focus. August 25th. I am grateful for August 25th. That was the date that Lucas became a part of our family in 2003. How about it? Yeah. And three days later. <laughs> three days later. Grace was born in 2003. Fabulous. See, so August is a month that I'm incredibly grateful for because both my boys were born in August. I'm especially grateful for the 25th. You know, th this kid, this boy of mine, this young man of mine, he was born and put on this earth just to bring joy into people's lives. And I have been watching him bring joy into life since he was a baby. I mean, this kid was 13 months old in the NICU where his initial diagnosis was either cystic fibrosis or a, some form of a cancer in his lungs. Oh, dear. At 13 months old. 
And I have pictures of him standing on his crib with this smile on his face and the drool running down his face. He was the highlight of the NICU, the entertainment for everybody on that floor. Yet this dire thing was happening. Now, fortunately, it wasn't either of those two, and he's now 19 and healthy and thriving. Friday night, we got to have his 19th birthday party on our back deck. And to have a 19-year-old boy want to spend his birthday hiking in the morning with his dear old dad and hanging out at home with a dozen of his friends. Not at Chuck E. Cheese. Not at Chuck E. Cheese, not at Sunsplash, not at Topgolf, not anywhere. He just, he wanted to be home. And to know a little bit about our story and how divided our relationship was for so many years, to be able to have that, I just, I have so much gratitude for that date, for this child. Boy. That's awesome. I'm a lucky dude. I'm a lucky dad. Keep going. Yeah. What what else were you grateful for after the party? Well, thank you for asking. There there was a little article. No. No? What were you grateful for after the party? Oh, after the party. Yes. Oh, you mean when I woke Hope. up in the morning? Hope. Oh. Well, when 12 19-year-old young men walk up to me, look me in the eyes, and shake my hand and say, Hi, Mr. Grishman, I'm fill in the blank. It brings me hope. It brings me hope for our future. Holy cow, not every kid, see, I assume every single human being under the age of 30 is walking around with their face buried in their smartphone all day long. And when 12 young men actually make eye contact and connect with me as a human being, it just gives me so much hope for our future, that we're not all just lost inside of social media land, and we're actually still able to connect with one another. And so you spent the next morning having to clean up the... (laughs) aftermath of this party? Well, if a handshake and eye contact is an indication of what may be down the road in the future, you would think I would have adjusted my expectations for what I was expecting to see when I got up in the morning. Because my expectations were tornado ripped through my house. Right. I got up in the next morning and everything was cleaned up. The pizza boxes were thrown out. The floor was cleaned up. Even the couch cushions on the deck were all put back Beautifully the way open they house, were. Open house ready. Yes. And after I saw all of that, I went back to the bedroom and Amy was still sleeping. So it wasn't her and it wasn't me. Huh. Twelve young men cleaned up their mess. Lots of gratitude. Lots of gratitude. Lots of progress. That's fabulous. Yes. I'm also grateful for that article. I got an article on, on my son's birthday. On 12 young men? It was no. almost on 12 young men because it was on a topic that I didn't know existed. Do you know what super friends are? They're they, kind of like super families, too. No, I, I immediately think of those are the people you invite to go have super foods. Try again. 21st century version of besties or good friends. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're on the right track. I, there's something you and I have that's been a lot of fun to be part of. We have a friendship. We have a relationship that we've been told by other people is very special. And if Frick and Frack are listening to the show today, we'd love to have you on because you got competition, pal. (laughs) Absolutely. There was an article that I saw in The Atlantic on Lucas's birthday on the 25th, and the title of the article was... When were you in The Atlantic? I was in The Atlantic a few weeks ago, but thankfully The Atlantic now has media, so you can be in The Atlantic whenever you want. That kind of highbrow. Actually, I've been staying out of the Atlantic because of all the shark nibbles going on on the East Coast, gotcha. but but reading the Atlantic. Yes. I see. It, it's a publication that I've enjoyed reading some of their articles because there's a lot of stuff in the Atlantic on relationship. And I, I didn't realize that. I, I saw this article on the 25th and it was written by Marissa Franco. 
It was called The Trait That Super Friends Have in Common. And that caught my attention. The same birthday. Close. Your dad and I had the, have the same birthday. And Timmy. And Timmy. Super Friends. But there's something else. Okay. Marissa talks about this concept. There's lots of concepts in the article that kind of went a little above my head, but there was one that stuck out. And she said the trait that super friends have in common is something called a secure attachment style, which was a little bit much for me. So I read a little further and what she really described as this quote unquote secure attachment style boils down to vulnerability. Ah, The trait most often found within relationships that are considered super friends is this idea of trust and vulnerability. So here's how I hear that. The super glue in a friendship is vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. That's how I hear that. Yeah. Right? That I like what, that. Yeah. That what bonds two people together isn't the curated public persona on Instagram, Facebook, fill in the blank, Snapchat, whatever. It is actually the vulnerability that in our case, you and I share and other friends that I have that are hopefully listening to the show that, that we have with one another. Yeah. Well, and I, that vulnerability yeah. is really the bonding agent. Absolutely. Brother, I am fascinated to be able to step outside of our biosphere. When something comes across me like this article that allows me to see a little bit of the science behind what makes us work and why our friendship continues to thrive the way it has for 20 years, to be able to see that on paper. I don't really like leaving the biosphere. You don't? No, it's it's comfortable in here. Uh, vulnerability was something that we just happened to walk into from the very beginning of our relationship. When I walked into your office and asked you for help, I was being vulnerable. I was taking a risk. And what I was afraid of was somebody saying, no, get out. This is what you could have, should have, would have done. Judgment. I want nothing to do with you. You're a loser, right? That's all in my head why I don't want to be vulnerable, but I took a risk with you. Well, it was my cartoon voice. I just couldn't let it out. <laughs> and you did sing for me that day. I did. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, I, I love the article. I appreciate you sharing it with me. We would encourage all of our listeners to go check out the article. Yeah, yeah. The article was posted on the 25th in The Atlantic, uh, again, by Marissa Franco, the trait that super friends have in common and will... Any, any article we talk about today will also have links in the show notes. All right, Weisenheimer, here's my question for you. <laughs> what in the world do super friends and vulnerability have to do? Because what we promised everybody last week after the wonderful Sermon from the Mount on how thy tackles inflation, <laughs> we promised follow-up on what the heck can you do about it. So yeah. help connect thy dots, sure, please. Sure, sure. This absolutely has everything to do with inflation. Ah, sure. Uh -huh. It's obvious to me. Because what we talked about last time was we were talking about what they do about inflation, right? They empower the three levers that they as a government can do to try to battle inflation. What we want to talk about in here today is bringing it down to the family level, the individual level, and how do we tackle what's going on with inflation today. And what this has to do with inflation is this, vulnerability, a huge component to the world that you and I live in, the reality that you and I have created that started with our friendship and has now expanded out beyond into our families, into our practice, into our financial sobriety community. That vulnerability that is the glue between super friends and super families is the key 
to dealing with inflation. Okay, Brene Brown, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm still waiting for the answer. Well, okay, so here's, here's the proof. What have you always taught me are the only three things you can do with your money? Ooh. Ooh. ooh, ooh. Go ooh. ahead. Go ooh. ahead. Go ahead. All birds? <laughs> Lululemon? Uh-huh. Toomey? Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Right. Those are the three things. Now do the real three things. Sure. So we have the goes-ins. Right. Which is? What you can earn. Right. The goes-outs. Right. What you can spend. Right. And then the difference is, do you do something with it? You invest it. You can spend it. You can spend it. You can save it. Mm -hmm. You can invest it. Right? Those are the only three things we can do once we get a dollar in our pocket. Yeah. There was another article on the 28th of this month. You are August. Mr. Article Boy. Oh, I've been reading a lot more than I usually read. That's fabulous. I'm not, I'm not a huge reader, but yeah. I've been reading, consuming a lot lately, and especially because of what's going on in the world today. There was another article on Yahoo Finance. Thank you, Ethan Kimball, for penning this article. The title of the article was Inflation. One in three families have canceled vacation plans. Ace, cue the awe-inspiring music, please. Yes, the heaven, the pearly gates open music. Yes. Wow. You asked, that you asked me. is awesome. You asked me a week ago. So I go to the grocery store. I go to the mall. I go to the airport. And I'm just seeing people buy, 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 buy. Everything is packed. Everybody is spending. When the heck is this inflation actually going to have some impact on how Americans spend money? We've been trying to see some friends for a while. They've been busy. We've been busy. And it came up with, why don't we go to dinner on a Tuesday night? Who goes to dinner on a Tuesday night? On a random Tuesday night. On a night. random Tuesday night. Right? We had to make a reservation in the little town that we're in at like 7 o'clock. Now, fortunately, we haven't hit the Tony Roma's 430 kind of blue plate special thing. You're getting there. Seven's okay. Six would be better because we've been working and, you sure. know, we, we want to have dinner and get home. And uh, so, yeah, we needed a reservation. Wow. place was jammed. Well, according to Ethan Kimball's article, that's not happening as much on a broad scale across our country as we're seeing maybe locally here. I know. One in three families have now canceled their summer vacation. That's a huge statistic. And think about the amount of vulnerability that needs to be had in those family discussions, given the world we live in. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, right? Your, your partner is Mr. Jones, who led the charge for years in this fear of missing out society that we live in. To have the courage to actually say no, we're going to tighten the belt a little bit and do something different than what we see on Instagram and all of our friends doing. Because I don't know about you, but it feels like to me, everybody went to Italy this summer. Yeah, there was certainly a tremendous amount of that in our friend universe. Yeah. Think about those families that even though it may appear that everybody was doing that because that's the beauty of social media to create this impression that I'm somehow missing out on what everybody else is doing. Sure. Yet a third of our society is tightening the belt for some reason or another. My immediate reaction and why we wanted to cue the uh, the heavenly, you know, breakthrough music yep. is I see that as a bit of good news. I don't see it in good news in the sense that obviously somebody's foregoing a family vacation. But I do love the reality around it. I do love the consciousness and the intentionality that if you were to dig into and interview a lot of the families that had to do it, because with the prices of stuff today, they have to make 
hard choices. Yes, we do. Very hard choices. And I'm relieved to hear that families are making that hard choice and not taking a summer vacation, whether wherever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Italy, but wherever it was, if they said, no, we can't because the price of food, the price of gas, the price of our health care, the price of this, the price of that, the price of energy, the price of clothing, blah, 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 blah. It's all through the roof. And that to me is a wonderful sign. And certainly to the point that you made, my hope is that there is a lot of family leadership around this and that there's a lot of vulnerability on, hey, we can't do the bougie whatever trip. So maybe, we can't do the any trip potentially. Potentially. Because you maybe it's the staycation. Sure. Well, and you and I both know, you know, here we are looking at an article where one in three families are not doing a vacation this summer. You and I already know that there are millions of people on this planet who would love to go on a vacation, the privilege of even canceling a vacation, right? let alone making the decisions today of whether I pay for my child's medicine, I buy groceries, or I pay rent, right? Now we're starting to see how this inflation is starting to trickle up into the haves of the world. We know what inflation has done for the have-nots of our society. Now we're starting to see how inflation is affecting the haves of our society. And when we get into some of the solutions to this, I want to come back to one of our recommendations on if you were one of those families that had to cancel or, you know, it wasn't even cancel. You just, you just said, no, we're not doing one. Yep. Vacations are important. And as, as we have always said, be intentional with your money. And I've got a suggestion for later on that I want to come back to on that. Awesome. Well, you have always shared with me, and, and this is not something you created. You've just always been generous enough to share it with me that there are two kinds of pain in this world. There's the pain of discipline, there's the pain of regret, and that we are only able to avoid one of those pains, choose wisely. I'm looking at this inflection point of inflation and what's going on today, and we have a choice to make, the pain of discipline, which is a very vulnerable conversation for a family to have with one another, which is, hey, we need to tighten the belt a little bit. Or we can continue to keep up with the Joneses spend away all of our financial security so that we don't miss out on anything. And then we get to deal with the aftermath, which is the pain of regret. I hope everybody is choosing wisely. Which in very simple terms is called the bill. Oh, you get the bill, right? Let's just pick this apart for a second and talk about vacation. I cannot tell you the last vacation that we have gone on where we didn't already have the money in the bank. That's a pretty cool place to be, brother. That took a long time, and that took a lot of discipline, and it took a lot of something else that we're going to get to later, but I was sick and tired of going on a vacation and then getting the bill because those drive me absolutely crazy, the stress of that. Oh, it destroys your confidence completely. It eradicates the vacation in, in milliseconds when the credit card statement comes. Oh, baby. The position of strength, this is a concept I'd... I'd I hope we talk about more, Yeah, is that what goes along with that discipline is being in a position of strength. Well, you- And how, yeah. and how incredibly good you feel, how much more confidence you have in yourself when you're prepared and you are in a position of strength to just pay for the, the trip's over now, the bill comes, you pay for it. You took your family to Hawaii not all that long ago, right? A year ago. Yeah, yeah, a year ago, April. Yeah, and that was paid for before you went, right? Yes, sir. How'd that feel afterwards? F well, it felt 
even more better, mom, that was for mom, getting on the plane. Because Walk, Walking onto the plane. It was paid for. It's done. How many years did you and Beth have to say no to doing Hawaii, to doing Europe, to be able to say yes to the things that you now want to say yes to? A long time. I, I can't give you a 472-day kind of answer, but it's a long time. Yeah, and that's hard living in the land of... Abundance. Abundance where everybody's going to Hawaii and Europe every spring break and every summer. Well, and I, I joke quite affectionately. I had a bet when we were back in Syracuse this summer with the kids. I said, I will give you $10 the whole time we're here. They were here for a week. I'll give you $10 every time you see a Tesla. And they are calling what it's like in our town. You can't be in a car driving in the neighborhood or down the street or on the freeway more than two minutes, a minute. Without seeing a Tesla. Well, isn't the 31st free Tesla giveaway day? It is this year. Okay, yeah, I missed it last year. Oh, gotcha. So we didn't get it. Okay. But I'm hoping free G-Wagon day is coming up. That's in October, I heard. Right. Yeah. With the umlaut. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's during the, what do they call that? Oktoberfest. Uh, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, exactly. And so they're thinking, oh, dad's a total sucker. He's going to give up so much money on this. How much money did I pay the entire week I was there? I was there? just about to ask you, how many tens did you give away? One. Wow. One. Wow. One. Is it sacrifice? Do you and Beth feel like it's sacrifice all these years? No. Tell me more. Uh, I would flip it around and say that it's family leadership. I think it, it going to the point on vulnerability, it is sitting down and saying, okay, well, we can afford to do this. We can't afford to do that. So it's an intentional choice you guys have made. Openly. Maybe not always openly in the beginning when the when the littles were little, but we want the kids to have a better understanding of what things cost. So, for instance, on Monday, I had to replace the tires on my car. And if you've bought tires recently... Oof, that's no cheap venture. Ha, 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 ha. Right? So I was running errands in, in the afternoon, and I, I happened to mention to Grant that I had to buy new cars, the new tires for the car today. He's like, oh, wow, what do those cost? I don't know. What does a tire cost? I said, that's an excellent question, Grant. What does a tire cost? $50. Mm. That was his guess? Yeah. He <laughs> said, no, keep, keep, be more outrageous. For his big wheel? More outrageous. $1,000. Okay. I, I'm sure there are probably tires for certain cars that are that much, but I cut to the chase and I'm like, they were $300. They were like $294 a piece. Wow. Times four, plus tax, you get into the $1,300 range. He was like, huh? I said, yeah, how much money do you have in your savings account? He's like, like $2,400. Okay. He could cover two of your four vehicles. So there you go. Your savings is gone. Yeah. So we're having a wee bit of construction done at the house right now, and we finally embarked on this remodel, and he was – in my crawl a little bit about, you know, why am I sweeping the driveway and occasionally hosing off some of the driveway after they've taken the dumpster and la, la, la. And I said, because I don't want there to be a nail in my new tire. Mm. Oh, okay. okay. I so get you didn't it. pay the extra $30 a tire for the insurance? I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> but this, in, this inflation and these conversations, I think, are really important for families to have. And... 
even if you're an individual, go look in the mirror and you, you don't have a partner, you don't have kids or whatever, but you have to make intentional choices in the world that we live in today because things are so crazy expensive. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what we're doing here today is we're going to help people make some of those choices going forward because this past summer for you and me, I mean, I think we need to talk a little bit about what the summer's been really like for you and me. Um, you know, even though we've been here doing the Teach Your Children series and we've been working and doing and having fun with our financial sobriety community in our personal lives this summer, all aspects of financial sobriety went out the window because of what was happening in our lives. I, I've been thinking about this, knowing we were going to talk about it today. Yeah. I think we could put both what you've gone through and what I've gone through in the category of emergency. Uh, absolutely. And and when I say all components of financial sobriety went out the window, that didn't happen mindlessly. It's not like you and I had the biggest summer relapse of a lifetime. There was intentional behavior around how we had to use money this summer because we were prepared. Different, different than how we were planning to use Correct. it. Correct. Right. That, that's the purpose of why you have emergency savings. Right. Is when... The emergency happens, you're prepared. Yet every day, we read another piece of news that describes how the majority of Americans can't handle a $600 unexpected expense. And we are going to give people some remedy, some action items that they can take action on to help with that. Well, that was my life, most of my life. Sure. Not being prepared to you handle financial emergencies. A fabulous American. Train wreck of a relationship I with money. I thank you for your spending. You are welcome. Happy to be of service. And as a reform spender, you now are intentional with where the money goes so that when life throws a curveball, and when life throws a curveball, generally those are very emotional situations, and you have to react. Why do they talk about in sports all of the practice and preparation that goes into drills? Why do they do drills? I don't care what the sport is. Well, it's all about establishing muscle memory. Muscle memory. Yeah. Because in the moment, you don't have time to think. Right. Do you think first responders have time? Hey, Bob, can you get the manual? Uh, we got a we got a situation here, and they don't have time for that. They got to run into the burning building. Yep. Or whatever the crisis is. So when you got the phone call from the Nottingham, hey, your dad's back in the hospital. I got to go. Bam. There's no time to think about how I'm going to play the shell game. Book a flight. To buy a ticket that's going to be egregiously expensive. Yeah, $1,500 and 42F. For seat 42F. Nice. At least you got the window. Yeah. If it's the F seat. But you didn't have to think about it. No. You just did it. And no. there was some preparation and some planning over the years and some intentional behaviors that allowed that to happen. What, what I would affectionately refer to as the muscle memory. So I'm going to ask a pointed question. All financial sobriety, as far as worrying about how we're using our money this summer, is inflation affecting the Gebhardt family right now? Really? No. Why not? Because of the discipline. Because of the intentionality of the choices that we make financially, that it, it affects us only in a, this is going to sound arrogant, it affects us only in, a, in an ability as you like, you know, I like always to like, you know, put our hand up like we're victims, like we have the luxury of complaining about inflation, complaining about how much it costs to go out to dinner. We still get to go out to dinner. I just bitch about it. Okay. So it's more the irritation of what these additional costs are. I, I occasionally start to feel like grandpa. 
I remember when. It cost me four cents to have this loaf of bread and butter in the restaurant. And I'm a storyteller. Yeah. I occasionally will remind the kids that skim milk was seven cents, whole milk was eight cents, and chocolate milk was nine cents in the cafeteria. At at Tecumseh Elementary Elementary. Okay. Yeah. And literally, you sat there and gave them a nickel and two pennies, a nickel and three pennies. Uh, let's face it, I never got this game milk. So it was always, I need to have my nickel and my four, and my four I'm pennies. I'm surprised you just didn't carry a pocket of quarters, given your love for carrying Benjamins now, right? You make change for me. So it's a privilege. You have three things going for you. The first two things, I think a lot of our community and financial sobriety has going for them. Sense of humor? That's one of them. Okay. But I'm also thinking in the fact that you're a homeowner. And you've been a homeowner for quite some time, Ugh. right? Yes. Has your home appreciated in value in the last five to ten years? Oh, but a wee bit, laddie. Just a snitch, as you would say, yes? You own stocks, mutual funds, anything that Two, looks, three. Yeah. Two, three, four. So if you're someone who owns a home and has been exposed to the stock market for the last five to ten years, chances are- Those are up. Yeah, you've had some pretty good returns on your money. What's inflation been- in our country prior to this recent spike, what's inflation been the last 10 years? Wah, wah, under, not much. Under 2%. Under 2%. Right. So two of the largest assets that people can have, that being a retirement savings account like a 401k and a home, have 10 x what inflation has done for the last several years. But you also have a third piece. I have this third piece now. I didn't always have this third piece. A and golf swing? Th- I still don't have that piece. (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't seen the left rough of my home fairway yet or my home club yet. Very true. Yeah. I live on the right side, but still couldn't tell you what the left side looks like. There's a third piece. You live below your means. That's the society's way of saying you don't spend every dollar of the goes ins every month. The goes ins and the goes outs are not the same number. You are. You're a horrible American because we were told. Right after 9 11, spend, 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 America's spend, open. Spend, spend. Yeah. One of my favorite chapters I got to write about in financial sobriety is this concept called lifestyle inflation. When Amy and I were 25 years old and I was a brand new cold calling stockbroker living in New York City, we were making peanuts. And all we ever did every day was dream about just the slightest of pay raises so that we could maybe afford a Broadway show. We had this wonderful little booth in Broadway called the TKTS booth. And if you I, went I there on the, Wednesdays, I remember those. right, you could get two first. Right. We couldn't even afford that. Well, I got the pay raise of a lifetime. I went from $400 a week to $500 a week. That was a huge pay raise. Most a, most certainly a 20 pre- 25% pay raise. Thank you for the math. <laughs> You're welcome. And now we could do that. We could go to a Broadway show. We could go out to eat every once in a while. We mine, could, mine was a gym membership. Oh, that's what you wanted? So when I moved to California at 26 years old, the rent was 2x what I was paying in Rochester. Mm. A membership to a health club was like $37 a month for the silly stuff I remember. No can do. Yeah. In the basement of the apartment that I lived in in Walnut Creek, California, was a rickety, ratty old Stairmaster. There were two of them. And there was one of those massive widescreen TVs. I mean, this thing had to weigh a thousand pounds. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, 
Did it come with a projector? No one, right. No one ever wanted to be down there. So I just flipped the script and I made that my private gym. Mm-hmm. And I had my I had my TV. I turned the equipment around so I could watch the TV and I had my own private gym because I I couldn't afford the $37. That was a breaker. I sure. couldn't I couldn't do it. Sure. And well, whether it was a blessing or not, I didn't have a credit score in order to be able to have a credit card. Oh, so you didn't so fall for the trap in college that I fell for. I couldn't rack it up. So you you didn't get met by the thousand credit card vendors on your freshman day on campus where they were all signing you up for free money to go buy new college swag? No, sir. Oh, yeah. See, I fell for that one. Ah. Yeah. So for me, being able to get that first pay raise would have allowed me to afford that gym. Ah. And that's what Amy and I continue to do as we got lifestyle, little bumps in lifestyle pay. Lifestyle inflation. Yeah. We, we expanded our lifestyle sure. to fill the allotted space that it was given through this additional income. Well- the big payday hit when we moved to Seattle, and I got that big job, and my income jumped 10x. Whoosh. Well, we had to buy a house, and of course, that house had to have views of every mountain range you could possibly imagine. And what do you have to do when you buy a new house? Furnish it. You got to fill it with stuff. stuff. You can't sit on Inside the floor. Inside and outside. Right. Well, once you fill it with stuff, now you've got to maintain and clean all this stuff. But I don't have time to do that, so now I have to hire the cleaning staff to do this for me. Now we have to have a second car because the driveway is big enough to have a second car. And, and, on, and, and on, on and on and on. And so when I look back over that period of time where my income literally jumped tenfold in a matter of a few years, Amy and I weren't one nickel ahead in true wealth creation. Our lifestyle had expanded to this really fun lifestyle. But if you looked at our bank account, if you looked at our retirement account, we had made no forward progress. That is the kind of inflation that is a true risk to the people sitting here with us in this conversation today. It's not the inflation we're reading about on television and seeing the news. Because I'll tell you, since you and I became very well aware of this concept of lifestyle inflation, when financial sobriety showed up in our lives and we started to develop a much more intentional relationship with our money and how it supported the things that meant the most to us, the people, the places, and the experiences, and when we got those things in alignment, where now our money lives became simpler, we weren't looking at our bank accounts at the end of the month where, wondering where all our money went. We knew exactly where it went. We started to insulate ourselves to create our own reality to where some of this outside world stuff like inflation in the world that no longer control? affects us because they're in charge of that. Right. Can't control that. We have no control over that. But what we do have control over is how much we allow our lifestyle inflation to compound each year as we experience more financial success in life. So that is managing, as we like to call it, the goes-ins, as in your income, mm-hmm. what you bring in yep. to the family, and the goes-outs, what goes out. Yep. And if those numbers are equal, then we've got some inflation risk to talk about. If the goes-ins are worth more than the goes-outs, then everything we're talking about today you is, is a repeat of what you already know. Yeah. And reinforcement and validation of what you already know. Here's the ultimate takeaway. The key to battling the uncontrollable part of inflation that exists out in the world today is by embracing your own personal lifestyle deflation. Right now. Say it again. The, the way we deal with the uncontrollable inflation that exists in the world today, I'm going to make the assumption that if you're still listening to the show today, your goes-ins and your goes-outs are the same number. 
or perhaps your goes outs might even be a little more than your goes ins. We got some ideas for that. Uh huh. So my suggestion would be if you and I started developing some lifestyle deflation years ago so that we could be prepared for an environment like this, meaning you and I intentionally years ago started having the goes outs be a lot less than the goes ins. Okay. Right. We started building savings into our life. I'm with you. What you and I did unintentionally unaware is was deep personal deep, deflation. Yeah, personalized deflation, lifestyle deflation. That's the ultimate secret today. If you are where we were a number of years ago, looking at inflation today is very problematic to your family. And it's affecting not only your relationship with money, but it's starting to affect your relationships at home. It's affecting how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror every morning. If that's the case, then the, the key, the critical step, the action, the call to action to get out of what you're feeling right now is lifestyle deflation. That puts it back in your control. Yes. Right? That's where that's I what think, we have control over. Right. And that's what I think too often is where the fear comes from, right, is all of these things that are outside of our control and we can worry about those to oblivion. Let's bring it back to, into this this mindset of creating your own reality sure. of what do I have control over? Sure. Right. If I need to make more money, what are things that I can do to make more money? Well, that's one way to help. Right? right. And go talk to your boss, ask for a raise, ask for a raise. Are there odd jobs that you can add in? I, I remember at a different time of life, one of the things that we did was we looked around at the stuff that we had at our house that was really no longer of value to us. And I went on a little campaign with one of the social media websites to, to sell, to, to, to merchandise it, right? To sell it. That was another way that we brought in some additional cash. So on the goes inside of it, you know, may, maybe it's time for a new job. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a family member that has been in the same job for probably 25 years. And when I've spoken with that individual about their current income, it is woefully under market value. Wow. Well, unfortunately, the job market is fabulous right now. There are, but tons there's a lot of fear of over leaving jobs. what we know and going into a new environment. But that's a, I mean, but, there there is in, in that whole in that whole pick apart on discipline versus regret. There has to be a tremendous amount of courage in both. Right. Well, and thankfully, trying to increase the goes ins is not the only way. It's not the that only you way. Bring deflation. In no. fact, when you and I were going through this there wasn't a lot of opportunity for us to increase the goes-ins. It was all about managing the goes-outs. Correct. I know for me, my drug of choice was always impulse spending. Oh, baby. When I wasn't feeling very good about myself, when I had any kind of anxiety, any kind of fear, any kind of sadness, and then flip the script, even if I was feeling good about myself, I deserve this. I deserve. Right? Yes. I'm excited. So I feel good two, about myself. The two little monsters on the shoulders. Yeah, either I'm not good enough. Or I'm really good. Or I'm, I, deserve. I deserve, right? And and both of those little shoulder monsters would tell me it's a good idea to go buy something, something I don't necessarily need to have. But, boy, it'll make me feel good for a, a few minutes. Yes. One of the tools, I mean, if, if that's Yeah, let's get crux, into the tools. Yeah, if, that, if that's the crux of the issue, obviously there's a lot of work that can go into changing behaviors over long periods of time, but here's your triage idea of the day, and it's called 10, 10, 10. 10, 10, 10, 10. I was standing in the gift shop 
of the Museum of Modern Art in the San Francisco International Airport, freaking out because my son was supposed to be on the ground an hour ago, and there was nothing on the board telling me when he was landing. This was the first time we ever let Miles go travel alone with friends. He was 18 years old. He was running around Europe having his best life. I remember this. I remember the trip. Oof. I don't remember this I, episode. Oh, I was pacing the floors of the airport. Amy you were going to buy a painting? <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to buy, but there was the Museum of Modern Art bookstore. And I figured a great way to distract myself was to go look around there. And I walked in, and there was a, a journal sitting on their front display that just caught my eye and ooh, it felt good to pick it up and look at it and oh, I could I could buy this right now. I'm going to buy this right now. $39 for this journal and the bells went off in my head, 10, 10, 10. I put the journal down. I walked away from it for 10 minutes. Ooh, the anxiety bubble that I was having as I was looking at that journal, what drove me to that journal has kind of come down a little bit. It's not as strong as it was. And remind me of the net. What's the next 10? Well, that first 10 in the 10, 10, 10 was the 10 minutes I needed to just put the damn thing down, walk away from it, and just let the emotions soften a little bit. Yeah, let the wave retreat. Yeah, because as great, great metaphor, because as that wave started to retreat, all of a sudden now some options showed up, some better options showed up. And that's what allowed the next two tens to come into my thought process. Well, what's this journal really going to mean to me in 10 weeks? Is it just going to be another journal that sits on a bookcase that I never use? Or 10 years from now, could this journal be something that could be very meaningful to me? And that, that initial first 10 minutes of space allowed me to look at that honestly. And when I was being honest with myself... I got a lot of journals laying around my house that are sitting there with a lot of blank pages in them. Right. I could probably fill a few of those up first before I go buy a new one. It was your way to pause. Pause on the impulse purchase. Yeah. On an on an unnecessary $45 with tax transaction. Yeah. To make the little worry monster on the shoulder feel better about the fact that your boy's flight was not on the board. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Well, please everybody use it. Well, use 10, yeah. 10, 10. I've, I've used it now for years on those impulse purchases mm. because I get both of those little guys on my shoulder and I deserve and I, I don't feel good. And With I, your swipes and taps and oh, flicks. Oh, and... man. Can I swipe? I mean, I think I'm I'm like a gold medalist in swiping. They're going to have swiping on ESPN right after the Cornhole Championships, I think. Here. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, we should try out for that. And Puck, then doubles swiping. Doubles oh, swiping. We'd get gold medals in that. Well, let's go online and get some uniforms. Absolutely. The boxes would show, right, on the front porch. The dog would go off, and that meant the delivery person was coming. <laughs> the warning. And it's like, oh, did I? And then the sometimes there'd be alarm. a commentary from my my wife on, <laughs> oh, really? Uh-huh. Sure. That's awesome. Murphy's your shopper, shopping alarm, alert. your delivery alarm. Alert. Yeah. 101010 is a wonderful tool. Yeah. If you are struggling with the goes outs, that is a very good place to start. Yeah, if, if because you impulse. can do it, you Oof. can do it today. Because I almost assure you, as well as much as you're listening to this, that you're going to have an impulse. Sometimes those impulses can be a twofer. Ooh, say okay? more. So your affinity for the Starbucks pink drink. Oh yeah, there you go. Okay, so that is a six dollar item, depending on how big I get it. Yeah, it could be anywhere from five oh five to six fifty. Yes. Okay. Well, the twofer in that is by having the the ten 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 on, no, I don't deserve, no, I don't need. 
the pink drink. And I'm not picking on Starbucks. We love Starbucks. They're one of our best sponsors. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> but it's a twofer in the sense that it's also now a healthy choice, a healthier choice to not have the caffeine and the sugar and the la, 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 la. So it's going to hit you today, right? There's yeah. going to be an impulse opportunity to use 10, 10, 10. Well, speaking of pink drink and 10, 10, 10, there's another tool that we could talk about. We got a whole tool bag of these that, things. That involves the pink drink. And it's something I call shaving ounces. This was something I learned from my cousin, David. He's brilliant. He's a through hiker. He's been up and down the Appalachian Trail, oh, Pacific the Crest Trail. He's been up and down the New York State Thruway, but he does that in a Buffalo, car. Buffalo to Albany? Yeah, he doesn't hike that. He drives that. Oh. But when he's hiking, he does some some mammoth hikes. He he took me out. We did a five-dayer in Yosemite a bunch of years ago. And the very first night, we're sitting in camp. I'm watching him read this book, and he's ripping pages out of the book as he's reading them and throwing them in the fire. And you know, mom, the English teacher, that's total forbidden. I mean, that's verboten, as you would say. But I'm watching this. And then as he gets up to go brush his teeth, he takes his little wooden Tom's main toothbrush, snaps half the handle off, throws it in the fire. And finally, I just I had to look at him. What are you, what are you doing? I said, I'm shaving ounces. It's just what I naturally do on the trail. Tell me more. Well, my first through hike on the Appalachian Trail, I started with 40 pounds on my back. Imagine what that does to your knees and your hips after a couple of weeks. Well, there's only so much weight you can shed through eating food and drinking water. So I started developing this concept of shaving ounces, where literally ripping pages out of a book, if each day I can lose a couple of ounces of weight after six months of hiking on the trail, that's 20 pounds that goes away. <sighs> Blew yeah. my mind. Because I was in a place when I first came into your office in 2005 where I was running a monthly burn rate of twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a month. Burn rate goes out. Goes outs of twenty five to thirty grand a month. Wow. And the goes ins weren't quite keeping up. Aha. Uh -huh. So we got to a place many, many years later when we had to chapter one go from twenty five thousand dollars a month to seven thousand dollars a month. Because that's what the goes ins were, but the goes outs were way up here. I so was you had you had some in if I may, some massive Lifestyle deflation. Massive. And we, involuntary. We we were able to get, we'll call it twenty seven five to split the difference. We were able to get from twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars a month down to twelve ah. by slashing lots of big expenses. Wow. That was how much travel, obnoxious eating out, and and when I mean travel, travel properly, right? We were blowing it out. We were able to take all that down, but once I got to twelve. I could not see how to get to seven. Sure. Just couldn't see it. Yeah. You were there, brother. Yeah. I was like, I, I've cut every bill. I've unplugged. We're not direct TV anymore. Mm -hmm. We're not subscribed. And, and this is just what it costs to operate my family. What mm -hmm. do we do? Yeah. And then I remembered David. And shaving ounces, it took me time. It took us three more years. And we had to play the shell game to do it. But over the next three years, by saying no to the $6 pink drink by shaving ounces $5 here and actually looking at the data of how we spend our money. I mean, I'm the poster child for looking at my bank account at the end of the month and wondering where the hell all my money went. But because I, I finally sat down, as painful as it was, Amy and I sat down and we actually looked at, okay, where does our money go every month? It's painful because down you work- Down to the dollar. Because you work hard to earn it. Yes. Right? It's not like it just- 
grows on trees in the backyard. There's there's labor involved. There's there's work and effort, and it's painful. So then, to see how quickly it can go, that's one of the the harder economic things that I do. I don't do it monthly. Our dear friend Glenn would suggest that weekly. that that is a monthly, <laughs> if not a weekly, exercise. Yeah. yeah. However, when I do look at the bank statement and I see all of these different twenty-one dollar and forty-two cents, thirty-eight dollar, thirty-three cents, forty-eight dollar. Yep. I mean, they're not big dollar transactions, nope. but when you stack them all up, holy smokes, it's big. Yes. What do you do about it? Well, what you do about it is you do the uncomfortable. You print out, you don't print the internet like our friends at Progressive. <laughs> you print out your bank statement. Yes. And you sit there and you look at what the transactions are. And you get a red pen or a pencil or a- I like the yellow highlighter. I, I would use a, a kit, one of our kids' crayons. I'd mm. get a, a crayon color. There's something very gratifying about striking something out or <laughs> circling something that you've now identified as the enemy. Well, I had to and see it first. I'm going to eliminate yeah. the enemy. I like the red crayon. I had to see it first. Right. And, and black and white, I couldn't see it. I needed a yellow highlighter to really see it. Got it. It was Because painful. all of those, I mean, come on, let's face it. I'm not picking on our, our multimedia vendors and subscribers, but those are all monthly subscriptions that go on ad nauseum. Yes. Right, so whatever your whatever your media outlet is of choice, with the seven ninety nine or the nineteen ninety nine or the I mean, how many of those you got floating around? Right, that's a great place to shave ounces. I would suggest whomever your primary cell phone carrier is, call that cell phone carrier up and talk to them about any bundled packages they might have, because I know I've had problems recently with these subscriptions getting out of hand. And what I didn't realize through my own cell phone subscription is that I qualify for certain discounts and even a couple of these things like Disney Plus, HBO Max, some of these subscriptions that I was paying for, $7.99 a month, $10.99 a month, by just picking up the phone and calling my cell provider, which happens to be AT&T, those are actually included. I'm already paying for them in my plan and I didn't even know it. So a little, little uh, you're, you're paying for something twice that you're not necessarily even aware of. Exactly. Yeah. Or perhaps they just have the bundled plan to help you save some money. That's, I mean, in, in this whole shaving ounces concept, these are some places that I would start. Call your cell phone providers. Call your cable providers. If you haven't cut the cord yet, call them up, negotiate lower prices, ask for bundled packages, and right there in that process, you could start shaving some ounces. Yeah. And print out the bank statement. Go through it. What I love about some of these tools today is that it, it leads me to one of the overarching ones that is a chapter in the book. And frankly, if you were to pick apart a lot of what we've talked about today, it's this concept of say no more mm. or say no more. Saying no to mindless spending, saying no to mindless eating, mm -hmm. saying no to mindlessness but flipping it around and having intentionality. And that's, that's where the no comes in. Sure. Now, you and I have spent a lot of our careers being yes men. When, right? you want to be of, liked, when you want to be liked as badly as I want to be liked, it's really easy to say yes. It's one of the great old skits is you got the salesman on the phone who's talking with the customer and they're like, well, you know, Tom, can you help us with this? Yes. Well, what about that? Well, yes. absolutely. Well, and when can we have it? Sure. And what quantity? Yep, no problem. We got that. And then they hang up the phone and they're like, how am I going to do that? Right. right. I just said yes to everything. That is the. That was me. That's so many people. That was me. And I mean it. Right? right. You and I both mean it when we say yes. But how can we possibly fulfill on all those yeses when there's only 12 numbers on that clock? Well, you start to sacrifice 
something else. Right. Mindlessness comes in. Mindlessness comes in because you're just out racing around and there's no intentionality behind what you're doing. You're just trying to say yes and please everybody and maybe not please yourself or those people that are the most meaningful in your life. So part of this saying no exercise, I would imagine, also includes slowing down a little bit. It was for me. That was some of the best advice I've ever been given. God bless Jim Kelly. We talk about him on the show every once in a while. He was a mentor and almost like a wizard. Like he just had wisdom that came out of him sometimes. You were just like, huh? Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to think about that one. The one that, I mean, if my kids are listening today, you're, you could say it for me. It's, you know, slow down. You have to slow down to go faster. And the analogy he always used was if you think about a race car on a racetrack. Going super fast, trying to. Trying to. Yeah. I mean, who's going to win the race? The car that goes the fastest. Well, what do they have to do? They have to make sure that the car is in the most incredible balance it can possibly be. If one aspect of the car is out of balance, it cannot go faster on that track. So how do you get it in balance? In life, you have to look at slow your own life is slow it down yep. and figure out where you're out of balance. Sure. Then you're going to be able to go faster. Well, it's the 10-speed it's the bicycle analogy, right? You can pedal your ass off in first gear, but you're only going to go so fast. The minute you downshift into 10th gear, you slow down the rate at which you're pedaling, but how much faster are you actually and now And how moving? much ground are you covering? Yeah, absolutely. Right? These, while they may be, you know, unconventional concepts, is hit that pause button and slow life down to see where you can say no. Well, I would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you there and put the cart before the horse. I think you were able to slow things down because you developed a relationship with the word no. Well, if I'm saying if you're out of balance, yeah. right? If you feel as though it is just your life is way out of control. Maybe you're working way too much. Maybe you're not working nearly enough. Well, maybe your spending is completely out of control. Or your eating is completely out of control. I can say yes to all those at some point in my life, of course. So what can you do about it? And one of the things that you can do is you can, hold, you can slow this thing down and start to pick it apart. And whether it be shaving ounces, whether it be 10, 10, 10, whether it be saying no, go, go with the one that you know is the weakness. Yeah. Where the biggest owie is now. Yeah. Go there. Start there. Grab whatever tool we've talked about, whether it's 10, 10, 10, shaving ounces, a say no more list. That's how I suggest you actually start developing this relationship with no is physically writing down things that you really want to be able to say no to, but maybe you just don't know how to yet. How and, I, do, and don't get hung up on the how to. I, just be intentional that I'm going to say no to this. I never had a clue. This, this is funny, haha. I never had a clue how I was going to lose 25 pounds. It's pretty simple. It has something to do with goes ins and goes outs. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and yet what it ended up having to be for me was saying no. In my case, it's saying no to being in my kitchen after 7.30 at night. Mm -hmm. I have to be out of the kitchen. Dishes have to be done, all cleaned up, nice and tidy. I got to be out of there. Mm -hmm. Something bad's going to happen food-wise if I'm in the kitchen. I will find the Easter candy from 2016 <laughs> somewhere in the absolute throes of the cabinet and concoct something to, to get the sweet treat that I need. So, so by it, saying no to being in the kitchen after seven o'clock, that discipline yes, has allowed so many other things to happen in a shaving ounces, literally. Yeah. You say literally or literally? 
I'm more of a literally kind of guy, literally. but I like how you enunciated. You it's put, a little more British. Yeah, yeah, very British. Literally, yeah. That is literally how I shaved ounces. Mm. It was not my exercising myself into oblivion. It had more to do with the goes-ins. Mm. Sure, there was exercise involved. The point to all these stories is that it's start wherever the pain is. Wherever you're at. Yep. Maybe it's not a spending thing. Maybe it's a working thing. Maybe you're out of balance there. Maybe you haven't read a good book in a heck of a long time and you just kind of go, that's enough. I've had enough. Isn't, I'm going to say no. Isn't lifestyle deflation another way of just saying slow down a little bit? I love it. Look at you with the tie back. At the end of the day, if you want what 25 years and 25 years, so add that all up, 50 plus years of being around this money business, the single greatest concept to help us deal with the inflation, this unprecedented historical inflation we haven't seen in this country in 40 plus years, the best way to handle it is through lifestyle deflation. Slow down. And if you do, boy, I can't wait to see how fast you'll wind up going. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.